This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. Is the virtue of humility irrelevant in our current moral landscape? Keep listening to learn more about Richard Foster's new book, Learning Humility, A Year of Searching for a Vanishing Virtue. And by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Getting the word with truth table. Presented by Inner Varsity Press. The Daily Audio Bible Podcast, read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Akemeni Uwan. Let's get in the word and may the word get in us. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your word. Old Testament reading, Psalm 105, verses 1 through 25. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his accomplishments among the nations. Sing to him. Make music to him. Tell about his miraculous deeds. Boast about his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and the strength he gives. Seek his presence continually. Recall the miraculous deeds he performed, his mighty acts and the judgments he declared. O children of Abraham, God's servants, you descendants of Jacob, God's chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. He carries out judgment throughout the earth. He always remembers his covenantal decree the promise he made to a thousand generations, the promise he made to Abraham, the promise he made by oath to Isaac. He gave it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as a lasting promise, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. When they were a few in number, just a very few, and resident foreigners within it, they wandered from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another. He let no one oppress them. He disciplined kings for their sake, saying, Don't touch my chosen ones. Don't harm my prophets. He called down a famine upon the earth. He cut off all the food supply. He sent a man ahead of them. Joseph was sold as a servant. The shackles hurt his feet. His neck was placed in an iron collar. Until the time when his prediction came true. The Lord's word proved him right. The king authorized his release. The ruler of nations set him free. He put him in charge of his palace and made him manager of all his property, giving him authority to imprison his officials and to teach his advisors. Israel moved to Egypt. Jacob lived for a time in the land of Ham. The Lord made his people very fruitful and made them more numerous than their enemies. He caused the Egyptians to hate his people and to mistreat his servants. 
Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 33 through Jeremiah chapter 24. The Lord said to me, Jeremiah, when one of these people or prophet or priest asks you, what burdensome message do you have from the Lord? Tell them, you are the burden and I will cast you away. I, the Lord, affirm it. I will punish any prophet, priest, or other person who says the Lord's message is burdensome. I will punish both that person and his whole family. So I, Jeremiah, tell you, each of you people should say to his friend or relative, how did the Lord answer? Or what did the Lord say? You must no longer say that the Lord's message is burdensome. For what is burdensome really pertains to what a person himself says. You are misrepresenting the words of our God, the living God, the Lord of heaven's armies. Each of you should merely ask the prophet, what answer did the Lord give you? Or what did the Lord say? But just suppose you continue to say, the message of the Lord is burdensome. Here is what the Lord says will happen. I sent a word to you that you must not say, the Lord's message is burdensome. But you use the words, the Lord's message is burdensome anyway. So I will carry you far off and throw you away. I will send both you and the city I gave to you and to your ancestors out of my sight. I will bring on you lasting shame and lasting disgrace. That will never be forgotten. Chapter 24 Good Figs and Bad Figs The Lord showed me two baskets of figs sitting before his temple. This happened after King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon deported Jehoiakim's son, King Jeconiah of Judah. He deported him and the leaders of Judah from Jerusalem, along with the craftsmen and metalworkers, and took them to Babylon. One basket had very good-looking figs in it. They looked like those that had ripened early. The other basket had very bad-looking figs in it, so bad they could not be eaten. The Lord said to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? I answered, I see figs. The good ones look very good, but the bad ones look very bad, so bad that they cannot be eaten. The Lord's message came to me. I, the Lord, the God of Israel, say, The exiles of Judah, whom I sent away from here to the land of Babylon, are like those good figs. I consider them to be good. I will look after their welfare and will restore them to this land. There I will build them up and will not tear them down. I will plant them firmly in the land and will not uproot them. I will give them the desire to acknowledge that I am the Lord. I will be their God and they will be my people for they will wholeheartedly return to me. I, the Lord, also solemnly assert, King Zedekiah of Judah, his officials, and the people who remain in Jerusalem or who have gone to live in Egypt are like those bad figs. I consider them to be like those bad figs that are so bad they cannot be eaten. I will bring such disaster on them that all the kingdoms of the earth will be horrified. I will make them an object of reproach, a proverbial example of disaster. I will make them an object of ridicule, an example to be used in curses. That is how they will be remembered wherever I banish them. I will bring war, starvation, and disease on them until they are completely destroyed from the land I gave them and their ancestors. Jeremiah chapter 29 Jeremiah's Letter to the Exiles The prophet Jeremiah sent a letter to the exiles Nebuchadnezzar had carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon. It was addressed to the elders who were left among the exiles, to the priests, the prophets, and to all the other people who were exiled in Babylon. He sent it after King Jeconiah, the queen mother, the palace officials, 
the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers, had been exiled from Jerusalem. He sent it with Elasa, son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah. King Zedekiah of Judah had sent these men to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. The letter said, The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all those he sent into exile to Babylon from Jerusalem, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and allow your daughters to get married, so that they too can have sons and daughters. Grow in number. Do not dwindle away. Work to see that the city where I sent you as exiles enjoys peace and prosperity. Pray to the Lord for it. For as it prospers, you will prosper. For the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, Do not let the prophets among you or those who claim to be able to predict the future of divination deceive you. And do not pay any attention to the dreams that you are encouraging them to dream. They are prophesying lies to you and claiming my authority to do so. But I did not send them. I, the Lord, affirm it. For the Lord says, only when the 70 years of Babylonian rule are over, will I again take up consideration for you. Then I will fulfill my gracious promise to you and restore you to your homeland. For I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. When you call out to me and come to me in prayer, I will hear your prayers. When you seek me in prayer and worship, you will find me available to you. If you seek me with all your heart and soul, I will make myself available to you, says the Lord. Then I will reverse your plight and will regather you from all the nations and all the places where I have exiled you, says the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I exiled you. You say, the Lord has raised up prophets of good news for us here in Babylon. But just listen to what the Lord has to say about the king who occupies David's throne and all your fellow countrymen who are still living in the city of Jerusalem and were not carried off into exile with you. The Lord of heaven's army says, I will bring war, starvation, and disease on them. I will treat them like figs that are so rotten they cannot be eaten. I will chase after them with war, starvation, and disease. I will make all the kingdoms of the earth horrified at what happens to them. I will make them examples of those who are cursed, objects of horror, hissing scorn, and ridicule among all the nations where I exile them. For they have not paid attention to what I said to them. Through my servants, the prophets whom I sent to them over and over again, says the Lord. And you exiles have not paid any attention to them either, says the Lord. So pay attention to the Lord's message, all you exiles, whom I have sent to Babylon from Jerusalem. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, also has something to say about Ahab, son of Coliah, and Zedekiah, son of Maaseiah who are prophesying lies to you and claiming my authority to do so. I will hand them over to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and he will execute them before your very eyes. And all the exiles of Judah who are in Babylon will use them as examples when they put a curse on anyone. They will say, May the Lord treat you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted to death in the fire. This will happen to them because they have done what is shameful in Israel. They have committed adultery with their neighbors' wives and have spoken lies while claiming my authority. They have spoken words that I did not command them to speak. I know what they have done. 
I have been a witness to it, says the Lord. A response to the letter and a subsequent letter. The Lord told Jeremiah, Tell Shemaiah, the Nehelamite, that the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, has a message for him. Tell him, on your own initiative, you sent a letter to the priest Zephaniah, son of Maaseiah, to all the other priests and to all the people in Jerusalem. In your letter, you said to Zephaniah, the Lord has made you priest in place of Jehoiada. He has put you in charge in the Lord's temple of controlling any lunatic who pretends to be a prophet. And it is your duty to put any such person in the stocks with an iron collar around his neck. You should have reprimanded Jeremiah from Anathoth, who is pretending to be a prophet among you, for he has even sent a message to us here in Babylon. He wrote and told us, you will be there a long time. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Zephaniah the priest read the letter to the prophet Jeremiah. Then the Lord's message came to Jeremiah. Send a message to all the exiles in Babylon. Tell them, the Lord has spoken about Shemaiah, the Nehilamite. Shemaiah has spoken to you as a prophet, even though I did not send him. He is making you trust in a lie. Because he has done this, the Lord says, I will punish Shemaiah, the Nehilamite, and his whole family. There will not be any of them left to experience the good things that I will do for my people. I, the Lord, affirm it. For he counseled rebellion against the Lord. New Testament reading. Acts chapter 6 through chapter 7, verse 16. Chapter 6, the appointment of the first seven deacons. Now in those days, when the disciples were growing in number, a complaint arose on part of the Greek-speaking Jews against the native Hebraic Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called the whole group of the disciples together and said, It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to wait on tables, but carefully select from among you, brothers, seven men who are well attested, full of the Spirit and of wisdom whom we may put in charge of this necessary task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the entire group. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Perminius, and Nicholas, a Gentile convert to Judaism from Antioch. They stood these men before the apostles who prayed and placed their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Stephen is arrested. Now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. But some men from the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, as well as some from Sicilia and the province of Asia, stood up and argued with Stephen. Yet they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some men to say, We have heard this man speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. They incited the people, the elders, and the experts in the law. Then they approached Stephen, seized him, and brought him before the council. They brought forward false witnesses who said, This man does not stop saying things against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him saying that Jesus, the Nazarene, will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the council looked intently at Stephen 
and saw his face was like the face of an angel. Chapter 7. Stephen's Defense Before the Council Then the high priest said, Are these things true? So he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our forefather Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he settled in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your country and from your relatives and come to the land I will show you. Then he went out from the country of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After his father died, God made him move to his country where you now live. He did not give any of it to him for an inheritance, not even a foot of the ground. Yet God promised to give it to him as his possession and to his descendants after him, even though Abraham as yet had no child. But God spoke as follows, Your descendants will be foreigners in a foreign country whose citizens will enslave them and mistreat them for 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, said God. And after these things, they will come out of there and worship me in this place. Then God gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. And so he became the father of Isaac and circumcised him when he was eight days old. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the 12 patriarchs. The patriarchs, because they were jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles and granted him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Then a famine occurred throughout Egypt and Canaan, causing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. So when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our ancestors there the first time. On their second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers again, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. So Joseph sent a message and invited his father Jacob and all his relatives to come, 75 people in all. So Jacob went down to Egypt and died there along with our ancestors, and their bones were later moved to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a certain sum of money from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Merciful and gracious God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for another opportunity, a new day with new mercies, and another opportunity to get in your word. We thank you, O God, that you speak to us. You don't give us the silent treatment. You have inclined your ear to us so that when we pray, you hear us, and you also communicate with us by the Spirit through your word. And God, we thank you. We thank you that your word has gone forth throughout the generation, that your call to your people, that your truth and your grace has been uh, beckoning us back home, back into fellowship with you. God, we thank you that you have set your love upon not just an individual or a place, but among a people, a people representative of every tribe, nation, and tongue. And God, we thank you that you have, you have glorified yourself through the generosity of your love, even your love set upon those who would disobey you. We thank you for your tender mercies towards us. We thank you, O oh God, for your warnings. We thank you, O oh God, for the prophetic call to repentance and to turn away from that which deceives us, from our idol making, from our lies, from our uh, delusions of self-sufficiency, and instead to turn towards you, the God who is love and the God who loves us. We thank you, O oh God, for your tender mercies, kindness, and compassion towards us. 
We are reminded, O oh Lord, for our temptation, O oh God, to, to take your word and to, to cherry pick pieces of it that we, we think uh, we want and to disregard or to skip over or to manipulate things that are in your scripture, O oh God. We see, O oh Lord, how we so easily can proof text and we can snatch portions of your word, portions of your verses out of their context and apply them to our lives in ways in which they were not intended to be applied, O oh God. We are mindful even of the one of the most commonly preached uh, and stated Jeremiah passage, O oh God, about your intentions towards us. And God, we know that your intentions towards us are indeed good and that your intentions towards us are to become more like Jesus because we are your children. But we are mindful, O oh God, that your plans to prosper us and to keep us, O oh God, come within a particular context and that it will be necessary that you, O oh God, in your grace and your mercy, allow us at times to reap what we have sown when we have been disobedient, when we have manipulated your word, when we have been complicit in injustice, O oh God, when we have been idol-making in our ways, O oh Lord, you and your kindness and compassion discipline us. You correct us. But that does not mean that your ultimate promises for us have been taken away, that your discipline of your children does not eradicate your promises to your children. So help us to hold fast to that truth, that even if we find ourselves experiencing the consequences of our sin, the consequences on an earthly level of our actions, of our disregard for your word, for our, for our proof text, texting of your scripture, O oh God, for our own complicity and injustice, even if we find ourselves experiencing discipline as a consequence of that, help us to be reminded that this story ends with us being more like Jesus, that this story ends with us uh, being glorified, oh God. We thank you that your plans for us are indeed to prosper us, but that does not negate the consequences of some of our actions, oh God. So we thank you for this reminder that today is a good day to repent. We thank you for this reminder that today is a good day to seek your face, to ask that your spirit would illuminate your word that we might walk in your way, that today is a good day to apologize, to forgive, to reconcile, to be generous, O oh God. Today is a good day to live as representatives of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we thank you, O oh God, for the sobriety of your scripture, for the reminder of your word, for this promise that you have given us to prosper us, to keep us, O oh God, is indeed yes and amen, but also in the context of discipline that comes to your people. It is in your name that we pray and that we indeed entrust ourselves. Amen and amen. Not only is humility vanishing from contemporary culture, but we're also witnessing how destructive a lack of humility has become among our churches and ministry leaders. And yet, author Richard Foster insists that humility is central to the journey towards spiritual transformation. For this reason, he decided to spend a year studying the virtue of humility. Using the Lakota calendar as a framework, learning humility provides us with a look into the insights Foster gathered from sources ranging from Native American culture to Julian of Norwich to scripture to personal friends. Learning humility offers profound insight into what humility can look like in our current cultural climate. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code, the word. That's code T-H-E-W-O-R-D at ivypress.com.
We pray this time of getting the word with Truth's Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag Truth's Table. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee. So I'm to say